Hey, Matthew chapter 8. Father, we do ask that you would just bless this time in the teaching of your word. Lord, this, this event, the Holy Spirit felt it important enough to record it in three gospels of this individual that got touched by Jesus. Lord, we need your touch. As we gather on this uh, 4th of July weekend, we celebrate the birth of our nation as we celebrate our freedoms. First of all, we are very grateful for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms in our history. Lord, we remember them. And we remember those who are defending our nation even as we speak. We pray for those who are our first responders on every level that are ordained by you, according to your word, that do a good and honorable work against evil. And Lord, we just pray for them. We pray for their strength and wisdom and courage. And Lord, we pray for our nation. Lord, our nation needs you. And Lord, we need your word. We need your help. When we see a time where it's very confusing and, and upsetting and, and Lord, where we see upheaval and decay and all the things that are taking place, we know that the answer is, is what we're going to see today, a touch from Jesus. Lord, the cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. I think about how one day we will all be around the throne of God, redeemed, singing that new song, by your blood of every tribe's tongues, people, and nation. So, Lord, we come here as one, one body, one mind, one accord, one spirit. The world, this nation, our community desperately needs us to be light and salt and for us to give the good news of the gospel that we are cleansed of our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ who died for our sins because of his love for us. We are not left without any hope, but we have a living hope. I pray right now that even though we have the sun beating on us and it's warm, that you would touch our hearts with your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Jesus, as we've been going through Matthew so far, concluded the Sermon on the Mount that covered all of chapters 5, 6, and 7. That we read at the end of chapter 7, as we finished it uh, last time, the people were astonished at his teaching. For uh, we read that he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. And we read over the course of the Sermon on the Mount that you remember that Jesus would say, you have heard it said of old. That is, the scribes and the Pharisees will interpret the law in this way, but I say to you, and he would give the true interpretation of the law. As we move into chapter 8 here, as we go through this chapter, we will see that he brings healing to the people. As he is touching them, as he's bringing healing to them, because Jesus not only speaks with authority, speaking the words of God himself, but he brings healing to us, and, and not just to our bodies,
but to our hearts and to our souls. He heals and he frees and he brings life into that which is dead. So let's begin to look at this wonderful story of this man who comes to Jesus who is diseased. We read in verse 1 of chapter 8, When he had come down, that is Jesus from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, whenever you see that word behold, now Luke in his gospel narrative would use that word oftentimes, behold. And here Matthew uses it, inspired by the Spirit of God. It means this is important. This is something that you want to consider very carefully. Behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So Jesus comes down from the hillside above the Sea of Galilee. There's great multitudes, the gospel tell us, that are following him. In other words, there's an ocean of people, tens of thousands of people on any given day that are pressing in to see Jesus. And in that crowd... There is a man here who is diseased. He is a man that has leprosy. It's a terrible, dreadful disease, as most of you know. Pretty much controlled today. There is no cure for leprosy, but it can be treated. And people today in different parts of the world, in, in Asia perhaps, or in Africa, leprosy can be a problem in certain portions of the world. We uh, helped in a medical missions of a doctor here in Greeley that would go to China and he would help with those who had leprosy and he would show me pictures of those who are suffering from that disease. But as it is something that can be treated today, there's no cure. It is a very contagious disease. It is described to us in details in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 13. And the reason that is detailed so uh, much in that chapter is because they didn't have doctors or medical clinics there in the Old Testament wilderness wandering in the camp. And so if you had what was leprosy, you would go to the priest and the priest would take you outside of the camp and he would inspect you. So there's great details given on what leprosy is because if you did have the disease, you were isolated from the rest of the camp of Israel, from your family, from your friends. Uh, you couldn't worship with the children of Israel. Uh, all those things would take place. So you wanted to make sure that they weren't just looking at someone who had hives or someone who you know, had a rash or something like that. And as Leviticus chapter 13 tells us of leprosy and the disease, the disease, as we read about it, starts out small with a small mark or bump on your skin, but it'll begin to spread very quickly. It will begin to eat away at your flesh. Your skin gets snow white patches and deep sores. And evidently, your bone structure softens and your fingers and your toes begin to be literally eaten away. Your ears and your nose begins to be eaten away. And your body oozes with sores and begins to produce a stench. It was a terrible disease. There was no treatment at all in Jesus' day for it. And it was highly contagious. And as you read Leviticus chapter 13 about leprosy, it has given us a picture spiritually of sin. And that is, sin is like leprosy. Sin can start out small, uh, uh, small beginnings, a little look here. Uh, I'll just pull up this site on my computer or, or on my smartphone. These, these videos, these pictures, uh, I'll lie just this once. I'll go out and party just a little bit. I'm not hurting anyone. No one's going to know. 
But then that sin, that carnality begins to spread and it begins to destroy. It begins to defile, begins to corrupt. It, it begins even as leprosy, their feelings would go away, that you're no longer even aware of what sin is doing to you. Sin may start out with small beginnings, but if it goes unchecked, how it can end up consuming our lives. It ends up eating away at us. Uh, it, it is something that begins to affect our hearts, begins to affect us in our spiritual lives. And that's why David in the Psalms would write that search me and try me and see if there is any wicked way within me, Lord, and lead me to the way everlasting. And just as leprosy, if you suspected that you had it, you were supposed to go to the priest. He would inspect you to see if indeed you did have that disease. What you and I are to do is that we are to go to the great high priest, Jesus Christ, and let him inspect our hearts where there is leprosy, where there is sin, where there is carnality, where there are things in our hearts, attitudes and and that are not pleasing to him, that he desires to cleanse and for us to confess to him. And here, back to our story, here is this man in Matthew chapter 8. He has leprosy, literally, physically. Luke in his gospel, Luke being a doctor, a physician, he emphasizes that this man was full of leprosy, that he had a very extreme case of the disease. And this man recorded for us in God's word, comes to Jesus. And it intrigues me that he did that. Here is Jesus. He just got through giving this incredible, powerful sermon. He comes down from the side of the mountain. There's great multitudes, uh, thousands of people that are following Jesus. They're astonished at his teaching, and, and they're pressing in on Jesus. And this man, full of leprosy, not caring about the crowds, comes to Jesus, and he worships Jesus. And the reason that it gives me great interest is that lepers, when they had that disease, they were not supposed to come into contact with anyone. They weren't allowed to come close to anyone. Uh, they were not allowed to come into the cities and villages. They couldn't hold a job. Uh, lepers in Jesus' day, they had to live in tent-like colonies or cave-like colonies with other lepers. You couldn't go to synagogue. You couldn't go to Jerusalem to worship. You couldn't go see your family. You couldn't celebrate birthdays. You couldn't go to a funeral if a family member died. You were completely isolated. And you could not come within 150 feet of a leper. That was uh, a leper couldn't of somebody else. And, and they were considered outcasts in that society because the religious leaders had taught that if you had that disease, it's because you did something so horrible, you did something so offensive that, to God that he's judging you. He is punishing you. He's striking you dead because once you had leprosy, you were as good as dead. They called them the living dead. You would die from it. And where the religious leaders got that from was from Numbers chapter 12. Many of you know the story. Moses' sister Miriam was struck with leprosy because she came against Moses. So that's why they taught that if you got the disease, it was God's punishment. Another example is Uzziah, one of the kings of Judah that we read in the Old Testament. He was a good king. He reigned for a long time. 
But at the end of his life, he became very prideful. And what he did, for whatever reason, is being a king, he went into the temple, Solomon's temple in the holy place, and he's burning incense. Well, only the priests were allowed to go into the temple, not the king, and he's burning incense. And so the priest came, 80 of them, and said, what are you doing, Uzziah? You can't do this. You're a king. You're not a priest. You're not supposed to be in here. Uzziah said, buzz off. I'll do what I want to do. And he was struck with leprosy, and he ended up dying of that disease. So they saw it as punishment. They saw it as somebody in rebellion against God. And if you had leprosy, you had to wear bells around the hem of your garment so that people could hear you coming. If you were a leper, there was somebody that was walking down the road, as I've already mentioned, towards you, that when they got within 50 yards, a half a football field, 150 feet, that leper had to yell, I'm unclean. I'm unclean, and run off the path and let that individual pass safely. You were completely isolated. You were ostracized. You were looked down upon. You were great in great pain, and this man comes. And he doesn't care about the crowds. He wasn't even supposed to be close to the crowds. And he comes with this gross appearance. His face would be come, you know, lion-like and swollen, and his nose would be eaten away, and his body stinking, and they said that you could smell a leper a hundred feet away, and it would be obvious that this man had a disease, and when he came into that crowd, I'm sure that the crowd parted like the Red Sea, when they saw this putrid, decaying, snow-white-skinned man with deep sores, with rags around his hands and his feet where his toes and fingers used to be. Who was this man? Was he married? Did he have children? Did he have friends at one time? He didn't have any friends now. He couldn't associate or worship or be with other people. Put ourselves in his situation. Did he move from a house to a cave now? There's a whole story before us that's so important that three of the gospel writers write about this individual. And he comes in, as Matthew records, that he worships Jesus. Mark tells us that he fell on his knees. Dr. Luke tells us that he fell on his face. And he calls out to the Lord. And he says, if you can make me clean, Lord, heal me. Lord, if you're willing, if you can make me clean, cleanse me. He was not saying, Lord, if you can heal me. He was saying, Lord, I know that you can heal me, but are you willing to heal me? You see, he didn't question the power of God, but he was questioning the willingness of God. And think about it. The reason he would be questioning the willingness of God is because he has been told during this time that he has leprosy, that he's being judged, that, that you smell, you stink, that God is punishing you, God is angry at you. And perhaps there's somebody that's listening this morning. That whether you're here or in the sanctuary or perhaps listening online or listening at another time, you've had those thoughts. Maybe you feel like God just is disgusted with you and is punishing you, so angry at you. Lord, I know I need a touch, but are you willing to touch me? 
And I love this story as we continue in verse 3, that Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I love this verse. This man knew that there needed to be a change in his life. And this man, all eaten away by this terrible disease, says to himself, I am going to go to Jesus. I don't care how grotesque I look, how bad I smell, how others think about me, I'm going to go to Jesus. And that is what we are to do. When sin, when carnality, when the world is eating at us, causing corruption in our hearts, when it's defilement that is spreading among us, the key is to go to Jesus who will work that change in us and cleanse us. And look what our Lord does. Jesus reached out with his hand. Pay attention. He reached out with his hand and touched this man. When he did that, there must have been a gasp from the crowd. And that intrigues me because Jesus didn't have to touch him. Jesus could have just spoken the word and that man would have immediately been healed. But our Lord, having compassion on this man, having love for this man, reaches out and touches this man. And he says, yes, I am willing. And immediately this man was healed, it says, immediately. I wonder what that was like. All of a sudden his skin becomes pink and his nose and you know, and ears begin to form back. And all of a sudden his fingers, you know, pop pop, start coming back. An amazing thing that was taking place. And this man is cleansed and this man is healed. It was the first time that he had been touched, I'm sure, in years. And maybe perhaps that you're here or you know somebody that they're all eaten up inside, you feel eaten up inside. Maybe you're feeling the terrible effects of sin in your life. And sin destroys, it stinks, and it will literally cause us to rot away if it goes unchecked. And perhaps maybe there's somebody here that you know that there needs to be a change in your life. You need the Lord to touch you this morning. Let him touch you this morning. The mistake can be that we can give the message of others in our religiousness that you stink and that God is disgusted with you. You've sinned so much. Or we can begin to think that ourselves. I, you know, I've made too many mistakes. I fail so miserably. God could never forgive me. And this man and the difficulties... And having an extreme case of leprosy, grotesque, full of sores, he stunk. He was wise because he made his way through the crowd and he cries out to Jesus. And Jesus, listen, never rejects the person, no matter how sinful they are, who humbly and honestly come to the Lord with a heart that cries out, touch me, Jesus. He will never reject them. In the next chapter, we're going to see that Jesus is going to look out upon the multitudes, those thousands of people, and he's going to look as with compassion because they're like sheep with no shepherd. This story reminds me of Luke chapter 7. I love that story as Jesus was invited up here in the Galilee region to go to the house of, of Simon, a Pharisee. And he goes there and, and all of a sudden there's other guests that are there. You know that the house is full. And this woman who's only known as a sinner comes into the, the interrupt the, the dinner in the house. 
and falls down at Jesus' feet and, and begins to to weep and to worship and she's washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair and, and again as people saw that there must have been a gasp when she came into the room this woman how did she get in here and Simon the Pharisee he's thinking he's not saying it he's thinking that if he only knew what kind of woman is touching him and Jesus addressed Simon and then he looked into the eyes of that woman weeping there at the feet of Jesus and says, your sins, which are many, are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It doesn't matter how gross, how much you stink, you're a mess because of sin, because of carnality, because of the world. And it's caused corruption and defilement and it's eating away at you. Come to Jesus, he loves you. And forgiveness is available to you. It's kind of like we just had Father's Day a couple weeks ago. And that fathers, parents, when our children are real young and especially when they're toddlers and they sit in a high chair. I remember this, you know, raising four kids and they eat and there's food everywhere, isn't there? All over them, all over the floor. We don't say, you're a mess. You know, you're disgusting and just leave them there. We, we clean them up, we give them a bath. How much more our Heavenly Father desires to touch us for us to come to Him? And no one who sincerely desires for Jesus to touch them, will he reject? And that's the message that we need to give to others. Mark Gospel tells us that Jesus looked at this man with compassion, and he would say, I am willing, be cleansed, and immediately he was cleansed. Let him touch you this morning. But it takes coming to him and saying in your heart, maybe you're struggling with the sin, maybe you're struggling with carnality, whatever it may be. Lord, I know that I'm diseased, I'm being eaten away by this sin, this carnality, this anger, this lust, this sin, whatever it is. And I know that it's gonna do me in and it's gonna wipe me out. But I know that you can heal me, God, you can cleanse me and touch me. And he will look at you with compassion and do that work. He is the one that has the power to do that work in your life. Jesus not only frees us from the penalty of sin, and he did that by going to the cross and dying for our sins, for your sins and for my sins. But he also wants to free us from the power of sin in our lives, that sin that eats away at us, that sin that makes our lives miserable, but it takes humbly ourselves and falling before Jesus and crying out, Lord, help me, touch me. You're the one that can cleanse me and make me whole. And this man was healed. And then in verse 4, and Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So Jesus tells this man, now that you've been healed, cleansed of this leprosy, to go and present yourself to the priests as commanded in Leviticus chapter 14. And it was to confirm that he had been healed of this terrible disease. The person that was cleansed, 
was to bring two turtle doves to the priests. One would be sacrificed, the other dove would be turned loose and freed. Also, they were to bring a lamb for a sacrifice as well. It was a way to confirm to the priests that indeed you had been healed of leprosy, cleansed of leprosy. And Jesus says, don't go spreading the news about your healing. That would be very difficult, wouldn't it? I mean, I'd be, you know, you know, so happy you'd have to tell somebody, but but you go first, get confirmation, and I think that's a good word. A lot of times there's healing ministries that take place and they claim to have healings that, uh, of, of healing people of diseases and stuff, and there's really no healing that took place at all. There's no confirmation. Many healing ministries can do that. But this leper would go to the priests. They were the ones who would inspect to see if leprosy was really taken away. And, and it would be proof to the priest that indeed he was healed. It would be a witness to them. And can you imagine, think about this. The priest, you know, this guy comes and says, uh, I need the offerings for cleansing of leprosy according to Leviticus chapter 14. And he shows up with his offering. They would be astonished. I mean, Leviticus chapter 14 had been in the book for 1,500 years. And nowhere in the Old Testament do we have recorded that anyone showed up to offer the ceremony for cleansing. And I can just picture the priest here being puzzled when this man came to ask, you know, the sacrifices Moses had commanded, wondering what to do. Uh, say, oh boy, you know, we better do a review on Leviticus chapter 14. <laughs> I mean, we have never seen anything like this since the days of Elijah. That was the last record of anyone being cleansed from leprosy. And that was Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army. He was a Gentile, not an Israelite. We had never had a Jew in our day be cleansed of leprosy. Now what do we do? We better read up on Leviticus chapter 14. And there's others that are going to come that have been cleansed. You call in Luke's gospel that 10 were cleansed, that Jesus would speak to them and said, go show yourself to the priests as, as, and offer the sacrifices. And on their way to Jerusalem, they were cleansed. So people are showing up being cleansed of leprosy. And we know that Jesus healed every kind of sickness and disease. And this would be for the priests a manifestation of the sign of Messiah. Everyone in Israel, especially the priests, knew that leprosy was always a symbol of sin. And now here comes one who had the power to heal those with leprosy. And Isaiah the prophet would predict concerning the Messiah's ministry when he came that he would do certain physical miracles. The eyes of the blind would be opened up. The lame would be healed. And now here is one of the signs of the Messiah which our Lord intended the priest to see as a witness to them of who he was. The Messiah must be here. He's healing those of leprosy and every kind of sickness and disease. You and I, we have seen Jesus touch and change and heal those who are drowning in sin. Maybe you have that testimony. And they were touched, you were touched deeply from Jesus. And they were saved, forgiven. We've been saved and forgiven of sin. And, and we've been saved and freed from the grip and bondage of sin in our lives because we're a new creation in Christ. We have a new heart. The Lord lives in our hearts and empowers us to live for Him. And we go and we show ourselves to our families and friends and co-workers. 
And they see that truly that we've been healed and cleansed and forgiven. That we've been truly touched and saved and we belong to Him. And how we live our lives and how we conduct ourselves and our behavior and in our speech is all a testimony of the reality of Jesus in our hearts. And people need to see the light. They need to see us cleanse. Not in an arrogant way, but in a humble way. And Jesus can do the same thing for you. But listen, as we close here this morning, this is a powerful picture here. The priests were familiar with Leviticus chapter 13, the diagnosis of leprosy, but they had probably forgotten about Leviticus chapter 14, the cleansing of a leper. You shall kill the lamb as a sin offering. We can look all around us and diagnose the leprosy of sin of the world. Our culture glorifies immorality, adultery. We live in a culture where everything is endorsed. You do what you want, you live as you please, and you get what you want. And the world doesn't know the diagnosis of sin. We live in a culture, in a society that tells you and me that we as Christians were the problem. You believe the Bible, you believe the Word of God. Don't tell me that there is a problem, you know, that we have sin. We're not eaten away with sin, we're not decaying. We're not dead spiritually. What do you mean there is a sin problem? But here's the truth. We see how people's lives are being eaten away by sin. And they're isolated. And they're depressed. And families are being torn apart. There are those who lay in their beds at night, and even though the world is telling them that there is no problem, they know that there is a problem. They know deep in their hearts and in their souls, and they wonder and they cry, I'm tired, and I'm emptied, and I tried to drink it away. I pumped this into my body. I tried to find love the world's way and given myself over to, to many individuals. And, and I'm doing what everybody else is doing. I'm doing what is acceptable, what the world says that I'm to do. And as I lay here in my bed, life stinks and I stink. And I don't even have any feelings anymore. Just walking through life with a blank stare confused, wondering if there's really any purpose in life. But deep down inside, they know that there needs to be a change. And is there really a God that would love me? And just as Jesus looked at this man with compassion, and he reached out and he touched him with his hand, he looks at you, he looks at me, he looks at us with compassion and with those hands, those hands that he stretched out and went to a cross and allowed them to nail those hands to that cross, died for you because of his love for you. And he shed his blood to cleanse you from sin so that you're forgiven and bring you in the right relationship with the Father and to give you a living hope and make you a new creation to cleanse you to make you new in every way, to free you, 
because of his love for you. That's not only for us, but listen, folks, people need to hear that message more than ever in the day in which we are living in. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for this incredible story that's given to us here this morning of a man that, that you touch and cleanse, but it has such application for us because you cleansed us this morning who have come to you and asked for forgiveness and asked you to sit upon the throne of our hearts as Lord and Savior that believe in you. You've made us new. You've cleansed us. Lord, we're free from the world. We have a living hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for that. We have true freedom. As we talk about freedom, this, this Independence Day weekend, and, and Lord, we do. But Lord, true freedom comes by knowing truth. The truth will set us free and, and knowing you personally. So I do want to pray if there's anyone here listening to this message that you've never given yourself to Jesus Christ and come humbly to worship him to call out to him for forgiveness that he is there waiting for you the invitation is today is the day of salvation and he died for you I don't care what people told you how much you know you've sinned or if you think that yourself he died for every one of your sins were placed upon him as he died on that cross and then he cried out it is finished he was put into a grave and he rose again and he's alive and he says to you, come. He will say to the multitude, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. He will give you salvation. The world will not give it to you. The world will not give it to you. It's not found in the world. It's not found in yourself. It's not even found in the church. It's found by coming to Jesus. Will you come to him if that means anything to anyone? And you can pray, Jesus, I come humbly before you right now and ask that you would forgive me, cleanse me, and be my personal Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me on that cross. You rose again. Your life speaking to my heart. Be my personal Lord and Savior. And I do want to know you and walk with you. You're my hope. You're my salvation. And I thank you for loving me and for this new beginning. Lord, I thank you for your love for me declared on that cross in Jesus' name. And Father, for all of us that we know that we can humbly come to you, that not only do you forgive us of sin, but you desire to free us from the things that hold us in bondage, maybe that anger, that lust, that addiction, whatever it might be. Lord, that you would touch anyone here right now that is saying, I need to be cleansed. I need healing right now, Lord. I need to be free that you would do that work. Lord, we thank you that you are the answer, that, Lord, that you're everything that we need. I pray you bless everyone here this weekend. Bless our summer, Lord. And I just pray you keep us healthy and safe and that we would keep coming to you day by day and moment by moment. Lord, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good, isn't he? All right, why don't we stand? We're going to close. If you need prayer, if anybody made a decision for Christ this morning or if you need prayer for anything, please, I'll be up here in the deck. We want to pray for you. Don't forget the online. We are going through a powerful study in Jeremiah on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. You really want to listen to that study. It's so applicable to us today. Is Jeremiah speaking to a nation that is dying spiritually. 
that is, you know, just in moral and spiritual decline. And it applies to us. It applies to our lives, to to our nation. And so you want to listen to that 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights as we're going to continue in the book of Jeremiah on, and uh, Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. So Travis is going to close us. God bless you guys.